I love testimonies like that. Those last two testimonies. Did you recognize the first guy who got up? I don't know who he was. That's the community being community. And then we see God moving in amazing ways and and, and your healing. And that is so cool. Um, We are in the book of Ruth. We read the book of Ruth today, uh, this week, as a church. Um, If you are not aware of that, we are reading through the Bible in five years. And we are going through, this year, all the historical narrative found in the Old Testament. And we, this week, was Ruth. And so, we're going to talk a little bit about Ruth today. So, if you want to turn to Ruth 1 and be ready, feel free to do that. Let me tell you a a little bit about the book of Ruth. There are five books in the Old Testament that are small-ish. Okay? Um, There is a group of these things are called the Melagoth. Okay? The Melagoth is this. It's called the Five Scrolls. And these are the five books of, of the Old Testament that are read at specific times in the year in the Jewish faith. Okay? The Song of Solomon, the Song of Songs, is read during Passover. And those of us that are Christians, huh, that's interesting. I'll say it that way. Okay? So then there is the Book of Lamentations, who's read the ninth day of of the month of Ab. Okay, this is remembering the deportation. Then there's Ecclesiastes, which is read during the festival of booths. Esther is read during the time of Purim to remember what happened, how God saved the Israelites in deportation during the time when people were going to slaughter them. Then there's Ruth. Ruth is read during the Festival of Weeks or Pentecost. And this is significant. And at the end of this message, I will tell you why. But what I'm going to do is we're going to read the the first chapter of Ruth together. And we are going to look at some things that are ironic. And if you were one of the first readers... Of this book, short book, that is world-renowned, even outside of the Christian or Jewish cultures. So, like, this book is amazing piece of literature. So, let's read it. Let's read chapter 1. In the days when the judges ruled, meaning we just finished the book of Judges, so during this time... There was a famine in the land, so a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malan and Kilion. They were Ephrathites, Ephrathites. Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah, the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both 
Malan and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard that Moab, in Moab, that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband, even if I thought there was still hope for me. Even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. What an incredible start to a story. If you were in that time, you would see some of the ironies. Okay? So what happens is Elimelech and his wife Naomi go out because there's famine in the land. And they, they go where they can sustain themselves. And they end up in Moab. And oddly enough, Moab and Israel at this time is not at war. There doesn't seem to be a problem. Later on we see this, or before that we see this, but right now it's sort of okay to be there. And they bring their two sons. Their sons marry foreign women, which is kind of forbidden. Maybe. If you think about the law, talk about into the land, into the land, you weren't supposed to intermarry with the people that were in that land. Moab isn't in the land. So 
There's some question whether they were really disobeying or not. But anyway, they married foreign women. These were not Israelite women. Okay? Then Elimelech dies. But she has two sons to help take care of her. And so for ten years, with their wives, they take care of Naomi, a widow. Which was what's supposed to happen. But unfortunately, both their sons die. Now she's a widow who has lost her children, and she has two foreign women in her home. And then she hears that things are going okay in, in Bethlehem now, so maybe we should go back. So they start heading back, and Naomi thinks in her mind, why are you going? If you go to Israel, no one's going to marry you. You're a foreign woman. You're going to be just as destitute as I am going to be. So, Stay here. You're young. Get married. It'll be great. We don't hear of any children coming from either of these unions for 10 years. Okay? And so Orpug says, that makes sense. And leaves. But Ruth says, no. And it's a firm no. I'm going with you. My God will be your God. My people will be your people. And that's so significant because Ruth knows that without any children and being in advanced age, Naomi is going to be in desperate straits and have to rely on hopefully someone helping her taking care of her hopefully some distant family member okay but Ruth is acting as if this was mom not mom-in-law this is Ruth acting as I'm going to take care of you. I don't know what it takes, but we're, we're going to get through this together. And she is holding Naomi's life as of importance as her own. Just like the law. Now, if you remember, this is the time of the judges. People are just doing what is right in their own eyes. A foreign woman is acting more like an Israelite than an Israelite. There's irony number one. Naomi is going and she's just changing my name. It's no longer Naomi, it's going to be Mara, which means bitter, because God has been treating me so bad. Huh. She's lost faith. So then, chapters 2 and chapter 3, we get introduced to a number of different characters. We have them settling in Bethlehem, and all Bethlehem's in a stir because this Moabite woman is coming with Naomi. And one, Naomi's returned. Two, everyone's dead that they know. And she returns with this Moabite woman who is insisting on being associated with her and deciding to be your people, not a Moabitist. 
She's going to be as Israelite as she can be. Okay? So, the barley harvest is ready to go. Naomi tells her, go out, because Naomi knows the law. She knows that when people are gleaning and going through their fields, they aren't to do the corners all the way. Those are for widows and foreigners. Ruth both. And as she's going through and the corners aren't there, she is harvesting what is left over from those that aren't going through all the corners. They're, they're gleaning through there and they're leaving spots for people, for the widows, for the orphans. So, I mean, wi- widows, orphans, foreigners. And so, she's gleaning and she goes to this one field and providentially... It's the land of Boaz. So, Boaz he has already heard of what Ruth has done for one of, her rel- one of his relatives. And so, he treats her kindly. In fact, he even gives her a little more, lets her have her way, makes sure no one molests her because she's a foreigner. No one gives her a hard time. What are you doing here? You're not an Israelite. Why are you taking this stuff? What's going on? You don't have any right to be here. Blah, blah, blah. No. Boaz says, no, let's take care of her because she's doing what is honorable for a widow. And so we're introduced to Boaz. And then we turn, finds out that Boaz is a relative. How, how does Naomi find out about Boaz? Ruth tells her. He says, I was in the field, and this guy was really kind to me. He helped me. He goes, who was the guy? Boaz. She goes, oh, that's a relative of ours. He could be, and we get the this is where we get here the name, kinsman redeemer. Okay? This is, this is in the law that you need to provide for your relatives who fall on hard times. If you have, you're supposed to take care of your family. You're supposed to do what you can, however distant they are. You're supposed to take care of one another. And so then Naomi, being an older Jewish woman, starts playing matchmaker. Okay? And she starts telling Ruth what to do. And he ends up, she knows that Boaz is going to be willowing his barley crop. She says, go there late at night. Lay at his feet. He'll tell you what to do. And Ruth says, I will do everything you ask. What? You're acting like you're acting like someone who knows the law now. But you're obeying your parents? Huh. And so they she does. And Boaz is like just honored. Whoa. You're not you're not chasing after the young men. You're here with me and you're letting yourself know that, I'm a, that you're available. But Boaz, being honorable as well, says, I can be the kinsman redeemer, but there's someone closer in, in relation than I am. And Ruth goes and tells Naomi everything. And Ruth says this, just stay here because this man 
will take care of things as quick as he can. And the very next day, Boaz goes to the gate. He meets with the, the closer kinsman redeemer. And he tells him, hey, there's this land within our heritage, within our inheritance, that needs to be purchased for Naomi. And the guy says, hey, I'll buy it. Hey, real estate. Location, 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 right? Right, <laughs> He goes, but there's one other thing. A wife goes with it. And she's a foreign wife. And the guy says, oh, dang it, I can't do that. So if you want to, he takes his shoe off as a signification that he's letting it go. And Boaz gets it. So Boaz gets her. And let's read a little bit of Ruth 4. It says, Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down there just as the kinsman redeemer he had mentioned coming along. Boaz said, Come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took ten of the elders of the town and said, Sit here. And they did so. Then he said to the guardian to the kinsman redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that I belong that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you bring it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will, if you will not, tell me so I will know, for no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, Oh, on the day you buy the land from Naomi, you acquire Ruth, the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the the kinsman redeemer said, Then I cannot redeem it, because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now, in the earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final... One party took off the sandal, gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the kinsman redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malan. I have also acquired Ruth, the Moabite, Malan's widow, as my wife. In order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his town hometown. Today, you are witnesses. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you 
and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Oh my gosh. Mara, Naomi, is saying she's been treated so wrong by God, but yet in the, in the end, she is part of a lineage all the way to King David. Wow, what irony. We have a Moabite woman who is better than seven sons. And we have the eldership saying, may you be fruitful like First word, Rachel. Is it interesting that Ruth was married to Malan? Probably is up to enough ten years, and there was no child. She was barren. Yet with Boaz, she produces a son, Obed, who becomes the father of Jesse, who becomes the, the, the David is his son, one of the sons, who becomes king of all of Israel and great renown that is amazing so that's a great story we could we could say hey that's a great story that's 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 beautiful irony but what does that have anything to do with me as a Christian in 21st century This tiny four-chapter romance has been venerated even in college campuses for its elegance as literature, but it also reveals a craftsmanship of prophetic anticipation unrivaled anywhere in Scripture. One cannot really comprehend a passage in New Testament Without knowing the book of Ruth. And that's Revelation 5. Let's turn there to Revelation 5. Before we read Revelation 5, you need to understand the idea of kinsman redeemer. You need to understand what happened. In the law of redemption, in ancient ancient Israel, land wasn't sold and sold forever. Okay? It was what's known as fee simple. Okay? Since God was the real landowner in Israel, Israel was simply a tenant under conditions of obedience. That's the law. When land was sold, what the buyer received was only the use of the land, not clear title. That stayed with those that had this as an inheritance land. There were conditions under which a kinsman of the seller could redeem the land back to the original family. And these conditions were typically noted on the outside of the scroll defining the transaction. Okay? It's written on, on the outside of the scroll, not on the inside of the scroll, on the outside of the scroll. The situation and what happened. So it's on both sides of the parchment. 
important. Let's read Net Revelation 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven, on earth, and under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll to look or look inside. And then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then I saw a lamb looking as it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. And the lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked, I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. And they encircled the throne and living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea, all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne. And to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Do you see where Ruth and Revelation 5, the scroll that is written on both sides, everyone knew then, this scroll is a scroll of kinsmen redeeming. And John is weeping because there's no one to be found to be able to bring about redemption of the people. But then we find out that the lamb was worthy. Because he had purchased it with his blood. The scroll in Revelation chapter 5 was written with writing on both sides, which identifies as a deed subject to redemption. So a kinsman of Adam in his role as a goel or a kinsman redeemer is taking possession of what he had already purchased with his blood as the sacrificial lamb. He not only purchased the land, he also purchased the bride. The Gentile bride. Exiled from her land. Boaz is her kinsman redeemer. Who performs the redemption of the land. And Ruth is also purchased as a wife. This prophetic code found in the Old Testament. Extends 
into Revelation 5 in almost every detail. It is interesting that Ruth is introduced to Boaz through an unnamed servant. Functioning as the Holy Spirit. The church, as the Gentile bride of Christ, is introduced to the ultimate kinsman redeemer, Jesus, by the Holy Spirit also. It is interesting that Ruth learns how to deal with this situation from Naomi. We learn God's plan of redemption through Israel. We didn't know we wouldn't know the law unless we knew what was in the Old Testament. God's plan of redemption is through his dealings with Israel. We learn that Jesus pays the debt that we couldn't pay because something must die because of sins. And we had a perfect lamb that died for our sins. We wouldn't know that unless we knew the law, unless we were introduced to what Israel was all about. As you study even more, it gets even more provocative. It's interesting that Ruth... I'm sorry, it's interesting that Naomi learns of Boaz through Ruth. What? We as Christians are letting Jewish people know that the Messiah has already come. What? What? The book of Ruth continues to show us that indeed we have a kinsman redeemer. Just like Paul said during the communion meditation. We're in dire straits. For all have sinned and fall short of the grace of the glory of God. We're in, we're in bad way. We're destined for eternal death. But we had someone who is a kinsman of man. Who paid the price. So that we may be redeemed. And be saved. That's what Jesus did. That's why we celebrate. That's why we gather together. That's why we come on Sunday and worship the God of the universe. Because of what Jesus did for us. And we celebrate. I'd like to have the the praise team come forward if they will. And I'd love to sing... To him who sits on the throne. And we can rejoice and celebrate what Christ has done for us. We've all gone astray. We've all gone to a different country. And we've come back destitute. But you know what? We can be saved. Because of what our kinsman redeemer has done for us. I'm not sure if you heard, but today has been declared a national day of prayer. As followers of Jesus Christ, we should be doing that. So I'm going to lead us in prayer.
It's the National Day of Prayer. It's not the National Morning of Prayer. It's the National Day of Prayer. So you guys can absolutely continue this praying part throughout the day. But I would like to lead us today to do that. While I'm doing that, elders come forward. If anybody needs prayer, if you would like to pray, need some prayer, additional prayer, for anybody you know who is sick, infirm, needs a touch of God, they will be forward to be able to talk to you about that and pray with you. Father God, we come before you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your power, for your magnificence. Lord, I know during this time, you are not surprised by any of this happening. Father God, all we can contain is our response. Lord, help us to be kind, cautious, merciful where we need to be. Be bold where we need to be. Father, we pray for those that are sick throughout this world with this coronavirus. Lord, we pray for healing. We pray for enough beds for people to be taken care of, for enough test kits to be done. All those things, Lord, may you supernaturally allow this to happen, showing your might and your grace. Lord, Father God, we pray for the people in in our country who are sick with this. Lord, we pray for a quick healing. We pray for um, everything that needs to be done for each of these people, that it will be done, that the spread will be slow, if at all. Whatever has to happen, Lord, we give you, we give you all the glory, and we look to you in this area. Father God, help us to be part of the solution, not part of the problem, because of us, our association with you. So, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.